Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. Faye Petrakowski has been doing the work of enhancing the ability of people to make decisions combining their inner wisdom and intuition with logic and outer knowledge. Faye combines insights and exercises that help people hone their discernment, empowering them to bring all of their resources to the table. Her work happens through personal coaching, classes for both private and corporate group settings, animal communication, and intuitive cooking for health. There are six and a half minutes of my visit with Faye, which you'll find on northernspiritradio.org, with some choice bits that just didn't fit into our 55-minute broadcast. Thanks to Andrew Jansen for production assistance today. Faye Petrakowski joins us now via Zoom from Portland, Oregon. Faye, I'm so pleased to have you here today for Spirit in Action. Thank you, and I'm really happy to be here, Mark. I told my wife that I'd be interviewing you about intuition, and she said, wow, that sounds like a very different topic for you, and it is, because in part, I'm very scientifically oriented. I was a physics teacher, for instance, even at college level. I was a math and also a computer science person for a number of years, so I was comforted when I read in your descriptions that the best decisions are made by intuition plus logic. So it's this is not intuition in absence of logic. No. Tell me what intuition means to you. And I, I heard the word gut in what you described. I think there are a lot of words to describe it. Intuition to me is often having information or getting a feeling or knowing it can be a thought about something and you don't always have the logical information to back it up. Now, sometimes it can be feeling like you need to go to the store, you want to go to the store and there is something on sale or that you were looking for. Um, it happened to me the other day, like there was some organic chicken that they had on sale. Or I think I want to buy this and I call the store. And you, oh, by the way, it's on sale all month. So sometimes you can verify it with facts by checking, doing the research. But sometimes it seems to come out of nowhere. And I tell people, I think there's a broader base of information that we know at a level that we're not always aware of, but we can access it. So people think it just flies out of nowhere. Sometimes it's it's factual. Like I can say to you, well, somebody passed away and they'll say, well, I'm not surprised. You told me so-and-so was in the hospital. They've been in and out of the hospital. That uh, The nurses had come, paramedics had come. So uh, what a thought that seems like it comes out of nowhere might have a real foundation in facts. So it's it's complicated. Some people might interpret intuition as magic. They may or may not be right. What's your thoughts about that? I think there can be some magic. For example, I think there's what I would call magic in the world or sometimes it's kindness where things appear when you need them, whether somebody gives you an idea or you could be standing in a store as I was one day and I forgot my wallet and the man next behind me in line said, I'll pay for it. I mean, I consider that magic or kindness. Somebody might just say that's the goodness of somebody or somebody showing I'll pay it forward. So I think things that happen that brighten up our world sometimes are called magic. I don't think intuition is always explainable by our physical senses, and that people sometimes interpret that to be magic. But you look at Einstein, he believed in intuition. 
So sometimes it's, it'd be like the police, for example, saying they're working on a, a case. Somebody perhaps was murdered. And I've heard police tell them, I've read about it and they've told me this. I'm trying to solve something. I go take a nap. I go run around the track. And while I'm relaxing, my mind goes, aha, and I figure it out. And to me, that's no different than I'm struggling with making my homemade chocolate. And I botch it up and I think about it and I relax. I take a walk. I stare at the recipe and I thought, oh, I didn't put enough this or that in it. And it bubbles to the surface. So you've mentioned, for instance, the police using their intuitions, their second level knowledge. It's as opposed to the rational on the surface of the mind. And you mentioned it for cooking. We'll talk a fair amount, I think, about cooking shortly. What other fields might intuition be used in as you teach people, as you coach people on it? I don't know that there isn't a field that doesn't use it. Now, I think people, for example, I have a friend. He is a physicist. He studied math. He would also call himself probably an engineer. He says, I have absolutely no psychic or intuition. But he'll go look at something like he's trying to build something and he'll look and he'll stare at it. And then he'll apply, whether it's a a screw to it or remove the piece of wood or whatever he's working on, his hands move and he figures it out. He's not saying, is this logical? He just moves into it. So I think every profession uses it. You may not call it that. It might be lucky guess or nothing else to try. We interweave it with logic without even realizing it. I think intuition is difficult for people that want hard facts. I know a woman that used to hire people to teach computer classes And she said, I stopped hiring people without getting the assistance of another staff person because every time I interviewed a a young man, for example, that looked like my son, well, not exactly, but maybe was the same age, same hair color, I kept thinking about my son and I couldn't do a good job hiring because I had blocks. So I brought in somebody that didn't have a 23-year-old son who was nagging him or her, and that seemed to help. So I think She had a block because she couldn't get rid of her prejudices or her beliefs. So I think that if you have ideas that block you, and we all do, or the scientist who thinks I have to have facts may have a difficulty because the facts don't surface, or sometimes they surface later on. So I think we all use it. It depends upon what we call it. Some people are threatened to call it intuition. They might say, oh, that's just common knowledge. And sometimes it is common knowledge, like it's deductive. That's the only possibility left. Does that make some sense? Of course it does. Though I want to check the extent to which, you know, you say it's beyond what our logical minds are aware of, which we know on the surface. And there's always lower levels or subconscious, people sometimes call it, other ways that people have knowing, they've accumulated information, and they don't have command of it with just their reasoning faculties. Right. There could be other things like, extrasensory perception, senses we don't know we have. Are we going that far into a field or is this more just drawing on more of the resources we know that we have inside us, even if we aren't consciously aware of them? I think it goes out to ESP, if you want to call it that. I think it's very complicated. So I think, yes, it does. And I think it's also deductive, like the doctor who, you know, who says, I've tried this, I've tried this, and then they do something. So we say, well, that was a good choice. Instead of, that's my intuition, that was a good choice. So I think it's very complicated, Mark. I think it goes out as far as ESP answers come to us. Like, for example, I was driving one day and there's a truck in front of me and it had some chairs behind it and in the back and it was rope, it, it secured them with rope. And I thought, don't get too close to that truck. A couple minutes later, 
the rope came apart, the chairs fell back. Is that intuition or is that just logic? Because anything could fall out of the back of the truck. So is that ESP? I don't think it's always clear. I think it's mystical and I think it's logical and sometimes not logical. So the people that want to box it in and say it's this or it's this, they do that to define it in, in terms that are comfortable for them. So it's not simple. So just to go into this with completely open book, what's your background religiously, spiritually, metaphysically? What kind of resources did you experience in your life coming up to here? Because uh, some people will be uncomfortable if it's too metaphysical. And on the other hand, if they just understand that you are a keen mind, aware of much of your mind, and you do describe intuition as a skill, maybe people are going to be more comfortable. Where do you come from, Faye? Well, I have an unusual background. My grandmother on my father's side of the family had messages come to her in dreams. So my grandfather, who I never met, died a year before I was born, used to visit my grandmother in dreams, and she would talk about it. And even before he passed away, she would have dreams. And so my father and his two brother knew about my grandmother's dreams, and they were often very true. So I grew up knowing that my grandmother knew this stuff. I didn't know what to call it, except grandma knew stuff. And you couldn't get away with stuff. So for years, I wouldn't say I had dreams, but I had a way of knowing most of my life. I could understand people in ways that I had no way of knowing, but I didn't know what it was. People would feel comfortable in my presence because I seemed to understand their situation. And I remember one time when I was at the University of Wisconsin, I was studying continuing education, but I was at an assistantship. I was working on the newspaper and ag journalism, and one of the students who was a journalism student, was walking toward me on campus. And I saw her from a distance and I said, oh, that's Jeannie, she's pregnant. She comes in my direction, gets close to me and she says, guess what? I'm so excited. You can't tell, but I'm pregnant. Now, what is that? I don't know. But I had that happen a lot and I got so comfortable with it that I didn't think about it. So I grew up with that as a background. Nobody ever called it psychic. Mostly they didn't call it intuition. It was just somebody knew something. And so over the years, I've learned to say, all right, this is my logical information. This is what I know about this person or situation. Now, intuition, come talk to me as though it were a person. So I try to blend both worlds. I think we all have it. I think we shut it out as a young age because somebody tells us or lets us know we're making them uncomfortable. And I think later on, as we get older, we, we often have to go back and retrieve it. But I don't think intuition without logical information or doing that check and to look at our facts is always the best decision because with intuition, we can be attached to something. For example, I've had employers tell me I should have fired somebody. My gut told me to do it. I said, why didn't you? And they will say, you know, my boss needed another employee. I was afraid we just hired them. It was going to cost a lot of money. I didn't want to disappoint them. I know they, the person had money issues. Uh, staff liked them. So I put it off six months to like we couldn't stand it anymore. And then we let them go. I hear that a lot. Or so my cousin said, I didn't want to marry my husband. I knew it wasn't right. But my dad said, too bad. Everybody's been invited. The wedding day set. So, so here I am walking down the aisle and I knew it wasn't going to last. Six years later, I divorced him. So we have attachments to certain outcomes. And avoidance of other outcomes. <laughs> uh, avoidance of other outcomes. I cannot explain how one day I'm sitting at home in Portland, Oregon, thinking about these, I think they were Swedish dishes that I liked. And it turns out these dishes were ones I lived in Norway for a couple of years when I was little. It was a Finnish company and they were very expensive. I had looked online, they were like three, $400 to order them because they were so heavy to have them shipped. 
something told me to go look in the ads. I just had this thought, like, go look in the ads. There was an estate sale. It was a rainy, cold day. I had no interest in going out of the house. I was working on some writing. And I went to this estate sale. And there were the dishes. And the women that were in charge of the estate sale didn't like the woman who was selling the house. They didn't like her at all. And they said, listen, it was a Friday. We'll hold on to it for you till Sunday. And we're going to mark everything half off. So I got it for $175. I don't know what told me to look in the paper. Where did it come from? I don't worry about it. I think these things happen all the time. To me, that is no different than a student in a class telling me, you know, I was driving up Mount Hood in Oregon. It was cold. We were going to go ski and we were driving back and something said to me, something came out of my mouth, like, slow down. There's a car coming and a car came quickly up from the other direction. And the man said in the class, the student We could have been killed if we hadn't slowed down. Where does that come from? I don't know. To me, that's no different than my grandmother knowing, you know, one of my uncles was into something he shouldn't have been into or something that was not appropriate for him. I don't know. I don't think she cared. I stopped caring so much, except when I'm working with people who are uncomfortable with this, and I want to find ways to say, listen, we all do this. So what logically do you know about this person? Check your facts. You just had a business meeting with somebody or you met with a client. What do you know about that person? Play it back in your mind. You had a meeting. What were they wearing? Do you remember the expression? Do you remember the conversation? Did you take notes? What information can you glean from, acquire, access from that? Because to me, intuition, a lot of it is fact gathering, whether it's factual information or intuitive information. And that makes it easier to accept. I believe I've experienced intuition myself that something that seemed improbable that I could know, right? Yes. One example, a thousand years ago when I was 23, I was at a convention, met a lot of people. I didn't know anyone there, actually. I met a woman and she was part of a group from Minneapolis. I'm from Milwaukee area. And so I've never met these people before. I spent an hour or two with her. And after this, I I said to her, she and I were just hanging out doing things. And I asked her if she was lesbian. And she was so shocked because she said, how did you know that? Because the people I'm with here, there are five people from Minneapolis there who she's been meeting with for more than a year, two years. They all know her extensively. And none of them know that about her. How did I know it? Well, I could review and think of some things that were kind of cues for me. And also, I'm nervy enough to ask a question like that back in the 1970s when it it was still risky to identify something like that. So in that case, on the conscious level, most people wouldn't have identified it, but I was accessing enough other cues and I was aware of the cues I was accessing. Intuition, yes. I could have been wrong. I assume from time to time, Faye, that you're wrong too. Your intuition isn't 100%, right? No, and I tell people that. And it could be that maybe you asking this woman to open up the door for her to be more open or you were accepting. You don't know the ramifications of that down the line. You know, it's like somebody sharing with somebody, you know, I actually heard a story of somebody telling somebody, I have serious depression. And the client she's working with texted her back and said, that really encouraged me more than you know, because now I'm doing this, this, and this. So it opened up a door. So yeah, I don't think any of us are right all the time. Absolutely not. And I think one of the places where people need to watch is when we think we know something, are we making an assumption? 
So when I look at my thoughts and my behaviors, is this intuition or I make an assumption based on my worldview or my feelings or my story about something? So I think intuition gets extremely complicated. Like I would say to you, a lot of business clients I've had have made bad decisions. They regret it because they weren't listening to their intuition. And part of that was they had a story in their head about how something would be. And that also may have been impacted by the stress in their lives or some traumatic experience. So those factors impacted decision-making. And we base our decisions on intuition and hopefully facts. But if your facts are clouded by, for example, one client, his son died suddenly, and he couldn't deal with the grief, so he started a business. And he was convinced by what somebody said he would do really well in that business. And he did for a little while, but not as well as he wanted to. But he didn't check out the market. He didn't see what his competitors were doing because he needed to take action and move. But he took the words of somebody he trusted, but didn't realize that other person had another agenda because he didn't check it out. So I think it's extremely complicated. And anybody that tells you they're right all the time, I would doubt it. Okay. <laughs> like I did with my son when he was young, I said, Chris, I've never made a mistake well, actually, one time I thought I had, but I was wrong. And he said, well, then, Dad, you made a mistake. <laughs> Just So this brings me to the question that many people certainly have. How can you separate intuition, your gut feeling, you know, following your gut, I think that's a phrase you use, from prejudice? You just referred to the fact that sometimes people have mistaken information based on some way of thinking or feeling that they have. And I'm afraid a lot of people will say, unless you got the facts lining it up, you could just be going from a prejudice. Absolutely. So I do something. I take my time. Hopefully I can slow down the process. Sometimes you can't. You need to make a decision. But I ask questions. Is this really my intuition? Is this wishful thinking? Do I have an attachment to the outcome? If I have an attachment to the outcome, what is my attachment? I'm, am I afraid of disappointing somebody? Am I afraid to say no? What are the consequences of making a bad decision? The more questions I ask and pay attention, sometimes I write them down, sometimes I ask somebody, sometimes I ask several people, the more likely I am to make a good decision. So I ask that because I think it's very difficult to separate. It. And I think that's why people say, oh, my intuition didn't work. I made this decision. It was a wrong decision. But did you look at the circumstances? Did I rush it? Who's attached to the outcome? And I think slowing down the process, maybe the outcome is you, you don't find something on sale or you buy a can of soup that's got too much salt or something is going on. And maybe that risk is a lot less than buying a car or having somebody come visit you. So I think you have to assess or do damage control. What are the consequences? I usually find that people that don't slow down make a huge mistake. And am I under stress? Am I capable of making this decision now? Am I making bad decisions? The other thing I work with is usually when the intuition, after I've usually collected the data, what do I know? Okay, intuition, talk to me. So intuition comes to people as a thought. Sometimes it's just a feeling like a knowing, a calmness. Usually when it's right, there's a peace about it. I ask myself, so is this feeling peaceful to me? So the more conversation, usually the fewer the mistakes. That's usually the rule. Now, some people just go with their gut no matter what, and they don't look at the information, the logic. On your website, and folks, the website for Faye Pietrakowski is inner-design.net, inner-design.net, the 
link is on nordenspiritradio.org. On your site, you have testimonials. And it's apparent from those testimonials that you've worked in a number of different fields. This isn't for simply the person who wants to come to have their tarot cards read. You go to businesses of various sorts. How widely have you traveled with your services? Well, that's a good question. Nobody's really asked that. Let's see. I have worked with people in high tech. I've worked with engineers. I've gone to Seattle, Oregon. I've worked with people all over the country. I've gone into businesses. I've worked with people who are very logical. I've taught it at city colleges, at universities. I've worked with people who deal with healthcare products. I've worked with people who, even if they work in areas where they're working with logical people, they often have somebody in, within their in the business who believes in intuition. I work with people that hire. So pretty wide, not in the last few years as much because of COVID, but I still, I work with real estate people, but real estate people are very interesting. They're very open. They're more open than some other professions like maybe engineers or people that work in other fields because real estate people want answers. And actually I could say that of other fields, like there are people that have had me into their business not because they necessarily are convinced about what I do, but because they have an audience or they have employees that want answers or they feel like any way they can get information is okay with them and they're open to it. And real estate people say, look, I'm working with people all the time. I don't have all the information about my clients. So I'm open to, even if it seems a little strange or awkward, I'm willing to learn ways I can access information so I can make better decisions that ultimately will save me money, maybe work you know, maybe I'll make more money. I'll sell the house quicker. The client will be more comfortable. I'll know what questions to ask, what things to say. So that's what I would say. But I, I'm probably not as far out as some people. There are people that do tarot that wouldn't even bother going to businesses. Either you're open to what they do or they're not. They're not going to try to mainstream it. So do I believe in tarot? Yeah, I've had people do cards. I've had my astrology done. I thought it was off the wall until I saw things play out in my life. So I'm a believer in it. Do I do it? No. I'm interested in how people logically, practically can use the gifts that are inside them to befriend that intuition, sixth sense, inner knowledge, whatever you want to call it, best friend, along with their logic to marriage the two, to make great decisions, to live a better life, whether it's professionally or personally. And for inner design, how long have you been doing this work? 20, 30 years. And I would say I added the tagline, applying intuition, because when I say inner design, people often thought I was interior designer. And frankly, I could have said intuition now, something catchy, but I didn't. And those names are now taken. But I believe it comes from within. I really do. And I think we're trying to take an inner life and bring it to our outer world. But not everybody understands the name unless they do. And they go, oh, that's great. Or what is it you do? I don't get it. I still get what what is it? What do you do? Oh, so that's like second nature. So I made it easier and more difficult in my world with that name. Mm -hmm. I think you should go with the domain name Intuition Skills. You know what you just gave me? That's huge because I have been trying to figure it out. Thank you, Mark. And I thought, what three words? I'm not going to give up inner design because I have it, but I would add it. And wow, thank you. I've been racking my brain. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad I could be helpful. I had this intuition that it would be available, by the way, but... <laughs> Because I work in the field of computers for so many years, I also have an idea of what's out there and what's not out there. Well, I'd give you a hug if you were here because that, it just shows you sometimes when you, you think about it, I thought, okay, if an idea comes to me, great. And here comes the idea. You're I don't welcome. know that you read my mind, but thank you. <laughs> 
Let's talk a little bit more about the breadth of the work that you do with inner design. Number one, you do it for businesses, and you talked about a number of them. You also do it for personal applications. How does that come about? What kind of work is that? I work with people who want to develop their intuition skills so they can make better decisions. So I I have done groups and one-on-one. Sometimes people call me for a consultation where they're stuck in their lives. They're at a, a transition, like they want to make a move. They're not sure what to do. You know, do I do this course, that course? Would a move to New York be good? Or they have questions, but they can't figure out the path. And they're asking me basically to tap into my intuition to sort of do a consultation or reading like, what do you see in my life? I do that. I love doing the work one-on-one. I'm more interested in the teaching and working with people to develop their own skills so they can become their own intuitive wizard. And I've just dovetailed with with the food because when I needed to get off sugar, I needed to reprogram my brain. So that's why I say I took it into the kitchen. But I think a lot of people go and get a consultation. Like I'm having a feeling like about this, but I'm not sure. What do you see? And I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's no different than somebody going to the gym. You can have coaching. And then after a while at the gym, your trainer will say to you or training, okay, now you have the tools. You know how to use the equipment. You're on your own. I'm here if you need me. But I think we need to develop our own skills because we live inside ourselves. Nobody else does. You've already alluded to the fact that a number of people are very resistant to using intuition. They call it other things. Do you think it is at all possible to make decisions without using intuition? I'll answer that another way. I think there are a lot of people that use their intuition and they think it's their logic or sometimes it's common sense. I'll say to somebody, it's my intuition. Well, that's common sense. So I think it's very unlikely there isn't a little bit of your insight or insights into something and you don't know it. I think most decisions are a combination of both. Nobody's ever asked that. I think it's unlikely, but it may happen. I'll say that. And I I think some people that are so afraid of or uncomfortable will say, God, it's common sense. Of course it was that. It's not intuition. It's not psychic. It's not this. I think it rarely happens. There isn't some gut feeling or some thought that you're calling logic, but oh, of course that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's possible, but not like if I asked somebody and I broke it down, like if I had a a meeting with them or just, just a conversation well, yeah, it's probably my gut feeling or it's common sense or it's practical. So I think what I liken intuition to is like an inner library we have. And it's a collection of the people we know, our information about stuff, our hunches, and we take it in even unconsciously. And we go, hmm, what about this? And the library surfaces and gives us something. But it's a lot more than we consciously know. And some of it is facts, Somebody will say, you know, my mother passed away. And I could think about, well, I knew that they were this age and this and this and this is going on. And he could say, well, logically, well, yeah, you know, we put her on hospice. That's one piece of information. That's factual. She dropped weight. You knew that that's factual. She said she was tired of living. That's factual. She was on morphine. That's factual. So where's the intuition? How do you say you weren't surprised? So maybe, you know, is that all factual or is it just the time I knew that, you know, I wasn't surprised the next time I heard from this person that his mother passed away? It's very complicated. Are there studies documenting the effectiveness of intuition? Because sometimes, again, people are wrong. And so to really know if your intuition is working well, you have to have some sense of how often it's right and how if it's wrong. There are studies, and again, they're complicated. There's studies that show that intuition and logic is the best combination. 
There are studies that show intuition by itself, you're likely to make a mistake. There are studies that are inconclusive about intuition. There are a lot of people that don't aren't paid to use, you know, they're not paid for studies. So I think it's mixed. I think there's study the people that look at both combinations of intuition and logic as the best winning formula. So I think you will see that in the research. But I also think you'll see scientists who claim to use the intuition and they consider it like Einstein, the highest form of knowing, but he used it along with his logic. But I also think that the intuition sometimes that people will use when they have no place else to turn. But so, yeah, there are studies supporting it, but not often without the logic. And a lot of people will say, okay, use it. So there, some of the studies aren't very good. You know, they just aren't because it's difficult to prove. And I think we're each like sort of our own case study. Like, how did it work for me with this? Where was it difficult for me to use? When did I find it easier to use? And I think that's what makes the study of it more difficult because it's so individualistic. Even if you say it's the highest form of knowing, like Einstein said, but what does that mean? I hope you're not waiting for me to give the answer because I don't think I have it, even though I've I've read a fair amount of Einstein. He's a very interesting person, both the way his mind works. And I mean, to come up with the ideas like theory of relativity, both special and general case of relativity. And again, I'm. it's quite amazing how you get to that spot. And it does require holding lightly the certainties that many of us have been taught. Because physics at the end of the 1800s thought they had things pretty well sorted out, how the world works, and that all we need to do is refine essentially the measurements. And then along comes first Einstein with relativity, and then quantum physics comes along, which so far exceeds the traditional mechanical view of the world that we have. So I'm quite aware that to forge new paths, we need to go beyond the certainties that we think we own. I would like to share a story about an engineer. I played cards with three other women in the house of a neighbor, and the neighbor's husband's an engineer, very logical. One day, we were the four women were finished playing cards. One of them, who normally puts the cards in a metal container and puts it in a shelf in another room in the living room, so she puts it away. We take the cards out that are in two containers every week. In the meantime, the cards stay in the cupboard. This particular week, she had to go to a meeting. So I said, I'll put the cards away so you can leave early. I took the cards and I put them away. I get a call from the woman's husband, the engineer. He says, you won't believe it. He said, there are two cards outside in the backyard on the cement. They had a gazebo back there. I said, why did you leave them out there? I said, Ed, I put the cards away. He said, no, you didn't. He said, they're two outside. I said, he said, you went outside and dropped two cards. I said, Ed, I put them away. So I went up the street. I took a picture of it. Yes, there were two cards. I don't know how they got there. On either side of his house, there are big walls between him and the neighbor. The wind couldn't go over and bring the cards over from either end. And he didn't believe me. So he decided because his mind couldn't figure it out. I believe there's magic. There are things that aren't explainable. So I accept it. It seems bizarre. I believe it happened. I don't know what those two cards mean. He was so disturbed, I would say, because I couldn't provide him with an explanation. I called the woman who normally puts the cards away. She said, no, of course you put them away. And I said, Ed, I put the cards away. Kay left. He decided that Kay dropped two of the cards as she left on the floor. They stuck to her pant legs. She went outside and the cards fell because he had to make some sense of it. And in his mind, he couldn't make that shift. Now, I admit that that's, I'm not saying that's intuition, but that's something happening that seems completely absurd. 
I accept it. He didn't. On the other hand, I tell him, he said, well, where'd you come up with that? I said, well, it's my experience from dealing with this in the past. And he'll say, oh, I said, that's my intuition. He said, oh, that makes sense. I'll use it. Now he could deal with that because he likes me and trusts my opinion and respects me. But when something falls in the backyard near the gazebo, he doesn't know what to do with that because he has no framework for it. Today for Spirit in Action, we're speaking with Faye Pitkowski. She is the force behind Inner Design. Inner-design.net is her business. And I have that link on northernspiritradio.org, along with links to all of my guests from my Spirit in Action program for the last 17 years. Also, my Song of the Soul program. On the site, you have a place where you can post comments on this. Clearly, this is a different kind of discussion than I frequently have. But Northern Spirit Radio is all about world healing, and we want to find people who are doing that. And I think that Faye has a special gift to teach us to share with the world to enable all of us to make this a better world. Also on the site, there's a place where you can donate to Northern Spirit Radio. Northern Spirit Radio depends on you, the listeners, for our financing, for our support, not from businesses, not from government, because we want to serve you, not other ulterior motives. And as we're talking about intuition with Faye, it's important to know what those special interests that are pulling on your consciousness, your thoughts, your opinions, it's important to be able to remove the ones that are pulling you astray. And we'll talk some more about that in a moment with Faye. Again, her website, inner-design.net. It's a business she does. You can check her services. We talked about two of your services, that is for personal and for business. There's two other areas that you mentioned, and these probably may stretch people's imaginations even more. One is communicating with animals. And you have testimonials on your site about communicating with animals. Is this all kinds of animals? Can you communicate with the mosquitoes and tell them to leave me alone? (laughs) Which kind of animals? I actually, I believe they can talk to us and we could talk to them. I'm doing a lot less of that these days. My interest is more in the food and teaching people. But I've talked to cats, dogs, birds. So I believe that we, we get a thought about them. We don't know where it comes from, just like I might get a thought about a human person. I mean, there are people that communicate with insects. I don't do that. I think there are people who make a career out of communicating with animals and they don't go into the business realm and they don't maybe do as much work with people. So my focus is moving much away from the animals because that's where my heart lies. But I think we do it all the time with animals, whether it's your dog's by the door, you look at it and you think, oh, it's something's not right. Or you let it out and you say, well, but I let the dog out every day. That's not intuition. Maybe something's, maybe it's, maybe it's just because you've done it every day at that particular time that you call it logic. Somebody else might call it intuition, but looking at an animal's thinking, you know, it's not feeling well, I need to take it to the vet. I think that is also complicated. Is the animal signaling me it's not feeling well, or is it the behavior? So I think it gets very tricky. I think they're a lot like people. I have had things come to me about animals that I had no way of knowing. Is that luck? I don't know. I had a really odd experience. We have chickens. At one point we had four hens, And one of them was injured. So it's not surprising to think because it had been injured by a neighbor dog. It was limping around and so on. But one day I was outside by our house. The chickens are kind of on the other side and there's their hen houses there. The other three chickens were out wandering around the yard. So I let them do. And then they were gone for a moment. So I went in and checked to see what was happening in the hen house And there was the chicken that was injured, was sitting down, was awake, looking around. 
And the other three were sitting in a circle around that one chicken, just watching it. And I go, huh, something's going on here. I went away, and just a couple minutes later, the other three chickens came out. I went in, and the chicken that had been in the center had died. I believe that they were around for the passing of this chicken. That's what I can make out of it. And again, I just took a cue that they were outside. They weren't outside. Huh, something's going on. Yet, from what I observed, I can't help but believe there was communication going on there that's beyond what I'm used to thinking of as a scientist. This happens all the time. woman takes a dog to the vet. Dog dies unexpectedly at the vet. The dogs at home are pacing. I mean, at the same time, this stuff happens, and maybe we shouldn't be surprised because we are all feeling beings, whether it's a whether it's a bird, a fly, an animal, a person. So none of it surprises me, really. I mean, I've heard people say stuff that they wouldn't say in front of a group. I once heard a woman in real estate say, you know, before I show a house to somebody, I have this teddy bear, stuffed teddy bear in the trunk, and I take the teddy bear out and I say, okay, guide me, tell me how to talk to these people. She says, I know what to say to these people. I've had people tell me, I told my dog before it passed away when I move, before the dog passed away, excuse me, so give me a signal. So I pick up the phone and there's a bark. Is it the dog? Is the woman lying? I mean, I've had these stuff that some people would call outrageous that are not explainable. Is that any more unusual than somebody saying, I needed $2,500. I didn't know where it was going to come from. I went to the mailbox and there was a check from somebody I didn't expect. Is that any different? I think it's all sort of the same thing. But some people would say, well, I get, I get it because animals understand me. So maybe that's easier. I can accept that. But, but the story about the chickens, I totally believe it. Because I also think with animals, there's a scent when somebody's dying and they pick that up. So to me, when a client will say to me, I take my cat to this home where there are people in hospice, you know, they're, they're dying and the cat will go in the room and, you know, hop on the bed with the, with the person. But if I bring the cat back the day and the person's gone, the cat goes up to the room, but won't go inside. Or the last visit the cat has with the person that's dying, the cat will be on the bed for a while. And then when it leaves, goes out of the room, it'll stand by the door to the exit of the hospice place. And I know the cat's had enough. I take the cat home and it kind of goes and hides. It kind of regenerates on its own at home and comes back out when it's ready. How is that? We don't know. How is it somebody hires somebody or doesn't hire them and say, you know, something's not right here. I've actually seen where a group of people were hiring new employees. They didn't know what was bothering them. The facts were fine. The experience was fine. The references were okay. They called the references wasn't right. So one day they brought the person back for a third interview and the person was rude to the receptionist. For some reason, that was the reason they were going to say we weren't going to hire the person. But all the facts were okay. Something didn't feel right, but they couldn't explain it with logic. How does one self-examine to a sufficient degree? You already mentioned a, a woman who was, when I'm doing interviews, I'd want to do it with someone who's like my son. So on the surface level, she could identify that. How does someone identify when it's a deeper prejudice? Maybe the person, because the person is of a different race, or maybe because the person has effeminate qualities when it's a male, or there's all kinds of prejudices we have. Maybe one distantly reminds me of the uncle that I never liked, right? So those things often tend to come from our gut. How do we discriminate between those and the extra sensory, the deeper knowledge that could be helpful in use of intuition? 
I think it's that's complicated too. I think this woman who was hiring partly realized that she had an issue with young men who were 23 because she had a gut reaction. She had a physical reaction and she was having trouble with her son. So based on that, it was physical. And she thought, you know, I'm not being open-minded here. She could have said because her history was hiring, of hiring people was not good. So every time she had to hire somebody again, it cost them thousands and thousands of dollars. So she had a, a very practical incentive to bring somebody else on board because it was costing her so much money. She didn't tell me, she said, I'm prejudiced toward young men with light blonde hair that remind me of my son. She said to me, I have such a reaction when somebody looks like my son. She could have said, and which most people won't, where am I short-sighted? Where do I have my blocks or my resistance when I'm interviewing? What's difficult? If you can have that honest conversation, and maybe it's about somebody's effeminate. Okay, so if I have somebody effeminate, I shut down. If I am dealing with somebody, I'm interviewing somebody of another race, is that an issue? But most people may not be that honest with themselves. So you have to have some honesty. Sometimes it's a financial consequence. Oh, it's going to cost me $50,000 if I have to go through this again in six months. Maybe that's enough to say, all right, so where am I short-sighted? But if you ask the questions, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And I think that that kind of honesty, whether it's numbers, whether it's I'm converting grams to cups and doing that, I know I'm not good with that. So when I work on my cookbook, I will have somebody double check that because I know I can make a mistake. So I know where my shortcomings, but you have to be able to be honest with yourself and have that honest conversation. And a lot of people think I don't have time to do it. I don't have time. So I'm going to rush this. I don't have time. And that's where they get stuck. I think. How do you train people? You work with groups, uh, you can work in businesses and with other groups as well. How do you train people to access their intuition? Well, I do some relaxation exercises and I talk to people about how is it your intuition, you know, visits you? How do you know what you know? So does it come to you as a thought? Is it a feeling? Do you get a physical sensation? Like, do you get a knot in your stomach? Do you get tingling in your arms? Do you get a headache? If it's a knot in your stomach, is it usually an adverse? Is it uncomfortable? And then I say, and ask yourself what you know about the situation. If you're interviewing somebody or you're visiting somebody, do you like them? Do you not like them? Did they say something that you thought wasn't true? So sort of be an investigator. And then I say, so if you're somebody that just knows, yeah, that's it. It's a real clear, comfortable feeling. It's peace of life. That's the car I want. That's the store I want to shop. Ask yourself, okay, now that you have that feeling, If it came to you as a thought, ask yourself, intuition, give me that thought. So you have a backup system. So you have another way of accessing it because you're not just relying on the calm feeling. So we work with that and I have them break up into groups and test each other. Like, what does my intuition tell me about that person? Or I'll give them situations I was in or dealt with clients. So this is a situation. Let's problem solve. What is your intuition telling you about this? Can you split it up into what's logical, what's intuition? So I work with exercise. I send them out on a little adventures and say, okay, so was your intuition impacted by your stress? So now if you know your stress impacted your intuition, how do you get yourself to a place where you're less stressful and make those decisions? What if you're in a meeting and you had questions afterwards? Go back in your mind and re- you review as though it were a video that session with that person. So I do very hands-on practical stuff. So it becomes a skill they develop like cooking, like walking, like exercising. So it's a muscle, essentially. And how does this make the world better? Since Norton Spirit Radio is all about world healing, how do we make the world better using intuition? 
Because I think if people are in their true intuition, they're in a peaceful state and they're more relaxed when they make decisions, they're going to realize I can have intuition. I can have my head clear to make good decisions, both using logic and intuition. But if I'm resenting somebody, I'm in anger, I'm being hateful, that blocks that information. And I think when we use intuition and it comes out of a benevolent, kind place, the world is better off for it. And I hear people saying, you know, I got, I meditated, I was more relaxed, I was kinder to people, and I made better decisions. And I notice myself, if I'm in my head being irritated, I'm taking that into the world rather than I'm peaceful, accepting, and I get more intuitive information or cues or more ideas. So I think there's a big reward system for being loving in the world. And I think intuition is part of that. You're aware of the kindness of the strangers in, on the street or in the market greeting you or smiling at you or conversations you hear if you're just open in general. But I think intuition goes better with everything. So I think people often say when they get, get rid of that armor that's nasty or uncomfortable or the resentments, intuition is one of the benefits. You jumped in, I'm not quite sure what the segue was to it, but you talked about making good decisions and kindness came in there. And I'm not sure where kindness links with intuition. Could you spell a bit about that? I think that when you're more open to your intuition, you're often more in a relaxed state so you can receive it. So you receive the messages, whether it's go look for a book, go to the market, but you also can receive and are open to the offerings of other people. And some of that is kindness, some of it's ideas, some of it's a smile. So I don't think intuition and kindness are directly linked. I think relaxation and not harboring resentments pave the way to receiving goodness in all forms, including intuition, ideas, and kindness from people. Maybe I should put it that way. Yeah, I wouldn't link intuition and kindness necessarily. I'm curious, Faye, if you have some kind of a degree or training yourself in intuition. I mean, there's life experiences. We do learn from that. But do you also, did you learn from other people besides your grandmother? I think what's helped me probably is I have a degree in adult education from the University of Wisconsin, and that's taught me about teaching. And I put together classes. It's opened the doors for me to teach at community college and at private colleges. And I think that formal education has helped me interview people, ask questions, do my research, call companies up and ask about food products or call up nutritional departments say, so what about this? And put together, whether it's intuition and nutrition or intuition, period, I think those things have helped me. I've not gone to a class and studied intuition formally. I put it together from videos and audio tapes and that, that's how I put it together. But it's, a lot of it, I think, is experience and looking at how people learn. So you can, I've learned theories about learning and education, and I think that has helped me more than everything. And I think that understanding how people process information, whether it's logic or intuition, and understanding my own processes, I think intuition is partly learning about yourself and other people and accessing ways to train yourself. And I think you can learn that through education. There's a fourth area in which you apply your intuition skills, and that is specifically with respect to cooking. I already think I'm way ahead of you. And my wife, by the way, tells me that I'm a better stovetop cook than she is. She'll make a soup, she'll follow the recipe, and then she'll taste it, and it's like, eh, it's missing something, but she doesn't have any idea. And she'll call me over, I'll taste it, and I kind of, I visualize in my head spices, tastes, whatever. And I said, I have this and this, I think you can do it. We are on a camping trip up in the Boundary Waters, which is a wilderness area. You pack all your food ahead of time. So she had found a recipe for something. She mixed the ingredients that were there. 
we cook it up and it's so blah. She just wanted to throw it out. And I said, wait a minute, give me a chance. Uh, we didn't have many other things with us, but I said, hmm, if I take this and I take this and I put this in here, that, and then she tasted it and she's like, wow, you made it good. I'm pretty sure that's intuition in terms of food that I'm using there. It's uh, a knowledge that I have deep in my, it's not like a formula that I can write out like I would with physics lesson I'm doing, but it's a knowledge on a, some inner level that I access. What do you do with respect to food? Well, I think you're absolutely right. You're, you're basically saying, based on my experience using rosemary, thyme, this, I think this will go here. So that's very practical. So you're using it. I do the same thing, and I think you probably are way ahead of me. I actually picture a previous chocolate recipe, and I'll say, hmm, what would work here? What I'm really saying is based on what I did last time and the time before, was there enough vanilla in there, or how about the lavender? Well, that was pretty good, but I think I need an extra teaspoon of vanilla, so I'll reach for vanilla and think about what I did. So it's a combination of intuition, talk to me, and then I'll review. So I think I do both intuition and logic. And sometimes I'll go and look up a recipe and go, no, I don't really want peanut butter in with this flour, but what do I know? And then I'll review. It's like, I'll go through the computer in my brain, thought, okay, but something tells me that wasn't a good idea. So I'll go back to my notes. Oh, okay. Intuition guided me to practicality here, to my logic. No, tough flour did not work with blueberries. No way. So that's how I, I kind of do a dance with the intuition and the logic that way. But I think we all do that. We're, we're, particularly if we're rushing our recipe and we don't have a lot of time, we're going to bake something. We just grab something and we're not even conscious of it. But yes, it sounds like you have it to a high degree. I also think that Faye Pietrakowski needs to buy another domain name. The domain name would be Delicious Intuition. You need that one, don't you? <laughs> yes. Wow. Let's talk a little bit about why intuition and food is so important to you. You have a history that's very crucial. I think it's important for a number of things. One, I avoided diabetes, and I avoided it because I retrained my brain. When I go to the store and I see chocolate, I think my chocolate, or I see ice cream, and I think the ice cream I make on my own. So I did it so I wouldn't collide with diabetes. But as I started using my intuition, I found that I could create all kinds of things by using my intuition and being the kitchen being the lab. Like, okay, this ice cream was made with cocoa butter or this ice cream was made with some chocolate chips and cocoa powder. Let's try cinnamon, see how this tastes. Okay, maybe a little more next time. And I think I did that. And also while I was playing with stuff and recording writing down the recipes, because I know if I leave it to my intuition, I'm not going to remember it. So I could document it. I noticed I was very relaxed in the kitchen. And I would get information come to me about people that I had no way of knowing about. And I called say, you know, I, I had this feeling I was working on a new protein bar. And I had this idea, did, you, did we think about this? Or is this something? Oh, yes, it was. And I started noticing the things, thoughts and ideas. And it could be even like turn on the radio. And there was on public radio, there was a program or there was something on even Wisconsin public radio, there was an interview with a professor. So I had these little side benefits. And I realized I was relaxed while I was cooking because I carved out that time. But I also realized I could eat healthier and get the benefits. And a lot of those ideas came because I went with my intuition. And some of it, I made some horrible stuff, absolutely horrible <laughs> stuff. Um, and I'm still correcting. And some of it, I knew, like my intuition said, listen, you've done this before cauliflower pizza is not going to work with this. And I would do it anyway. And the times when I got arrogant that I'll, I, I can't mess this up. When I went to my ego, I botched it up. 
So it, it became a lamb with not high consequence. Okay, the consequence are if I botch up cauliflower pizza or make bad chocolate, the chocolate I could reuse in ice cream and put in cookies, but the cauliflower pizza is gone. But that's not like hiring somebody or meeting with somebody where you're having, you know, considering working with them or a family member who's difficult. So the consequences were not as severe or as costly or as traumatic in some cases. So I've taken advantage of something I love doing that I can play with more. It's like a lab. And I enjoy being in the laboratory and say, okay, what do I know about this? Okay, let, you know, talk to me, logic, talk to me, intuition, and let's see what I can do today. It's safe. It's a safe environment. And a delicious one frequently. And frankly, the way our food systems are, the food companies are protecting us. You know, they can put ingredients in the foods that we don't know about. And the stuff is cheaper. You can control the amount of salt or the flavorings. You can make your vegan burgers far cheaper and you can have the taste, create your own taste that you can't do with something in the store. You're not getting plastic in the food, but it's a time investment. I got a supreme compliment from granddaughter who's six years old. When she stays over at our house, I typically will make pancakes or French toast in the morning. And she always wants to make pancakes with me. I don't follow a recipe. We have a whole number of gluten-free flours that I can choose from. And I'll put them in and I say, put one more spoon. No, put another half a spoon in. We need of that. And so anyway, her compliment to me, and she's done this with me a number of times, she says that I make even better pancakes than her dad does. So I really feel like this intuition thing is working for me, and I'm really happy. I thank you, Faye, for your bravery, for your courage, for your clarity. Actually, the world could use uh, some clarity that's rooted in something other than prejudice. And again, folks, we've been speaking with Faye Petrakowski. Her website is inner-design.net. She may have a new website or a new domain name soon. So you can come via northernspiritradio.org and you'll be able to connect to Faye through whatever her websites might become. Just want to thank you, Faye, again for helping people access the best they can to be the best people they can be in the world. Thank you so much for your work and for joining me today for Spirit in Action. Thank you so much. This is great. And again, I have the link on Northern Spirit Radio to Faye Pietrakowski, inner-design.net. We'll see you all next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. Oh